there's a there's a line, and I think that if you're a if you're a man who hits people with your fists, you have a certain amount of leeway when it comes to words that can come out of your mouth. Did you say a man that eats people with his fists? Uh, b- beats. But that, oh, is, okay. that is not that is not unlike what happens. <laughs> In this corner, we have a normal boxer. In the next corner, we have a man that eats people with his fists. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Those are my they fists. Call me the fists. <laughs> they call me the fists. It's really bearing the lead on the fact that my fists eat people. <laughs> Well, they call the Iron Fist Iron Fist, and he, his fist doesn't turn into iron ever. Yeah, but he, that's a damn sight better of a name than Glowing Meat Hand. Good evening. My name is Henry. And my name is John. And together we will be your sommeliers tonight uh, for the annual Coke taste testing. Ah, yes. We have a, a fine a fine batch of, of, of Cokes. A fine selection of our uh, proudest vintages. Vintages? Our proudest vestiges of Coke. Uh, starting, of course, with the classic now banned Coke Zero. Oh, are you starting with the Coke Zero? I don't have all the things that you have, John. I understand. Here's what we can do. I, I mean, I, I feel like people are going to realize that Coke and Diet Coke taste different. I, I just wanted to, to to compare the two Coke Zeros. Henry, let's break kayfabe on the Coke Sommelier thing for a second and say that I spent $8 on Coke and I'm goddamn going to make that $8 worth it. Well, yes, yes, of course. I, I feel like you should just be drinking Coke throughout the entire podcast. I'm going to drink all four of these Cokes before this podcast is over. That might not be a good idea, but I'm not a doctor, so I can't stop you. So do you want to start with Coke's normal Coca-Cola? Is that is that you want to get the baseline set down? Because everyone knows that it was there was some debate... About an upcoming Coke flavor, but I also know that everyone probably knows what regular Coke tastes like, so we can make these first two quick. Alright, so why don't you pop open or unscrew or get the can opener running for that first bottle of Coke. Alright, first Coca-Cola classic. Oh man, that crisp, untwisting sound. Oh, it sends me back. And then, here we go. Yeah, Coke is delicious. All right. Oh, would you would you describe it as being fruit forward? I, I would describe it as being kind of a caramelly with a novocaine aftertaste and a cloying sweetness that comes from high fructose corn syrup. All right, all right. I would agree, and the legs as well. Yeah, the legs are thin but long, just how I like them. Yeah, like toothpicks. They're like the legs if Coke. Original Coke classic, Daddy Coke were a woman. It would be a potato on two toothpicks. Yeah. <laughs> a big clunky potato on two toothpicks. And the uh, the next one is Diet Coke. The sister of Coke, I guess, or I guess sibling. 
Gender doesn't matter. Yeah, the the sibling of of regular Coke. I might call this Uncle Coke or Aunt Coke. All right, Uncle or Aunt Coke. Uh, Why don't you uh, give that a twisty clicky? And as everyone knows, I have uh, some issues with Diet Coke, but it's been a while since I've tried it, so I'm willing to uh, to let this one speak for itself. All right. And here we go. <laughs> yep, it sure does taste like a maniac threw up in my mouth. A ma- oh, wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> uh, so, Diet Coke to me has always had like a metal taste. Do you get that? I get... Uh, initially, I get the mouth feel of a dentist's visit. All right. Followed by a kind of uh, unplaceable sweetness, and then there's a little bit of blood at the end. Yeah, yeah. There's always like this weird metallic blood-like taste in the aftertaste. It it always reminded me of like getting punched in the mouth. And I don't know if it's just a carbonation thing or a Diet Coke thing, but my mouth kind of feels like it has cotton in it right now. That That's another thing with Diet Coke. You get cotton mouth, and it feels like it's like it follows you around for the rest of the day, just hanging out in your mouth. I think we can both agree that Diet Coke is an abomination. It's the worst, and I don't know why they still make it. Now, since we're on even footing now, I'd like for you to choose the order of w- in which we consume the following Cokes. Well, I feel like we should start with the Coke Zero, because it's what we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And then try the new Coke Zero Sugar, because it's the new one, with the, the new flavor that is supposed to be, like, closer to regular Coca-Cola, according to the advertisements. That does make a lot of sense. I, I agree with you. So, shall we start with the Coke Zero? Yep. Coke Zero. Oh, I have a bottle. You have a can. Yep. I got a six-pack of this stuff, man. I'm, oh. I'm holding up for the long haul. And are you ready? Here we go. Yep. That's, that's Coke Zero. It's smooth. It... Doesn't have as quite the bite as normal Coke. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's very good. It's very light. Uh, it doesn't have the weird cloying medicinal taste of classic Diet Coke. It, it kind of you, you taste it, you swallow it, and then you're free. You're, it leaves. It doesn't it doesn't stick around. Yeah, it really disappears from the palate. Unlike original Coke, which kind of sticks around with that back of the throat sweetness that. Hangs around for like 30 seconds. Yeah, that's the thing I like about Coke Zero is that you can drink it and then you can still taste other things. As opposed to drinking regular Coke where everything just kind of tastes like Coke. And is that really a bad thing? It depends on what, like, if you're eating like a piece of bread, (laughs) just a normal piece of bread and you're you're drinking Coke, the bread's going to taste like Coke. Coke bread. Coke bread. So I think we can both agree, Coke Zero, 20 out of 10, Kiss from an Angel. Yes. And now, you know, let it rest in peace because Coke Zero is no longer being made. Henry, I just want you to know that this may be the last Coke Zero we ever taste. That's really sad, and I've got five more cans to comfort me until they're gone. I'd say drink three and then sell the other three for $20 a piece. I will have made back all of the money I've ever spent dr- buying Coke. All right, so next we've got the Coke Zero Sugar. I think we should describe the packaging. I was about to say, we should start with the new packaging. Uh, whereas 
Coke Zero had a nice swoopy swoop going around the the, uh, the bottle or the can. Coke Zero Sugar just has a big angry red dot. Almost a kind of rising sun motif, but also from afar, I mistook this for a regular Coke because of how much red is on the bottle. When I was picking this out of the of the uh, the small refrigerator next to the the cash the cash register, I, I had trouble like dis- deciphering this or differentiating this from normal Coke. And if you notice, uh, it says new improved taste in another kind of round rising sun motif. And if you also notice the sugar, like if you look at the font, the zero is the same zero from the old can in the bold kind of fat letters. Mm-hmm. But the sugar is in lighter, skinnier letters, which makes me think that they're going to drop the sugar at some point and just call this new product coke zero most likely it's all uh aside from the coke of course which is filigreed as usual it's all this kind of no nonsense sans serif font and then maybe the most interesting thing uh and this might be telling uh two things on the back all right one is that they are abiding by new dietary guidelines by including the amount of added sugars that are in a beverage and this says includes zero grams added sugars. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I see that. And then next to it, it actually just says Coke Zero trademark. Well, that so so it's yeah, I see that. Just says Coke Zero. It does not say Coke Zero sugar. So maybe they've failed to trademark Coke Zero sugar, and we can register CokeZeroSugar.com. Oh, we should definitely try to do that, and then they'll have to buy it from us, and then we'll just. Be like, yeah, it's $50 million. I think we should give that a shot after this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So with the packaging described, shall we partake? Without further ado, let us crack. All right. Here we go. Huh. Hmm. Okay. So first thing is it definitely has more of a bite than Coke Zero does. Yes, the bite is definitely here, but then that kind of goes into a weird smooth aftertaste. Which is which is better than the cloying sweetness of Coke. Like, if they... Coke Zero was Coke without the bite, and I feel like they've just reintroduced the bite, but kept the underlying flavor the same. Yeah, it tastes pretty much just like Coke Zero, but with that thing that I like about regular Coke. That's interesting. I kind of like it. I'm going to go back to the Coke Zero. One second. I'm going back in. Yeah, Coke Zero. Oh, my God. Coke what? Zero tastes like Diet Coke in comparison to this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It does. It makes it, it makes it taste flat and medicine-y. How did that happen? Wait. Is there a chemical in the new Coke Zero sugar that makes old Coke Zero taste like crap? <laughs> It would be funny if right on the bottle there's a little asterisk that says, Warning, upon consumption of Coke Zero Sugar, all other Coke products will taste inferior. I. That's amazing how the, the new Coke Zero Sugar now tastes better to me than the old Coke Zero. I, I think that I really like Coke Zero Sugar, actually. That's crazy. I really like it. Oh, man, this isn't good. They're not supposed to be able to do this to us. This isn't what this segment was going to be. 
It wasn't, but then again, it was always a possibility since we hadn't tried it before. I had all these bangers prepared for how much I hate the new Coke. You know, I, it's really weird that in comparison, it made Coke Zero taste like Diet Coke. Wait, I'm going to go in and do something completely crazy. You're going to do Diet Coke. I'm going to cross-reference with Diet Coke to see what happens. Alright, it sounds like a slippery slope downward, but... Pray for me. Uh, here we go. Ugh. <laughs> you know, it um, it it tastes like an airbrushed t-shirt stand smells. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Ugh, I'm gonna go back to the Coke Zero Sugar for a second. Oh, I can't, how, so they, they, I mean, we are, we summed it up. They, they just reintroduced the bite of normal Coke with the smoothness of Coke Zero. And this, I mean, it's the final comparison. I just had a fresh mouthful of Coke Zero Sugar, and I'm going back to Daddy Coke. Here we go. Let's see what happens. Hold on. This is are incredible. You, are you going to say it tastes better than normal Coke? Oh, no. <laughs> but it tastes remarkably similar. So I, I guess the reports or like the advertisements that, that claim that they were trying to get closer to the original Coke flavor, I, I guess we can say that they they did it. They got close. Uh, yeah, I'm going to call that an unequivocal success. And, and you know, I, I guess we have to bid farewell to the old Coke Zero and just embrace our new Zero Sugar Masters. I'm extremely sad about that because I did want to be one of those guys who's like, nah, Coke Zero was better than this new thing. And then ten years from now, I could just lord it over everybody that I remember how Coke Zero tastes. Maybe we live in a world where improvement isn't always the death of one thing and the birth of a new thing. Maybe we can re... hold on, re... We can... maybe we can hold on to our Coke Zero and embrace the new Coke Zero sugar... And have it sort of just be the same thing. I mean, if if tomorrow this went to Coke Zero, and they they changed the name of Coke Zero Sugar to Coke Zero, I wouldn't I wouldn't mourn Coke Zero save for the memories. Yeah. Now I, I just have to wonder how Coke Zero Sugar tastes with rum, but I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, you know, that's for another podcast. Yeah, I feel like. I gotta re <laughs> between you and me and the the several hundred people listening. I have to re refresh my rum stock. And uh, you know, I think that oh, this would be great because we can uh, we can try with that new formulation of Kraken. There's a new formulation of Kraken. It's a Kraken sugar. Oh, oh, Kraken with more sugar. They, I mean, it's spiced rum. The one spice they were forgetting was, of course, sugar. Yeah. There are two types of Kraken on the shelves now. There's like black spiced rum and, and another one that's also black sp spiced rum, but it's different and more expensive. It's like Kraken, black spiced rum, the sequel. Yeah, I think it might be like a higher proof or something. I've never actually looked closely at the bottles. I'm not a rum person, I wouldn't know. I would like to inform the podcast that I keep sipping on this Coke Zero Sugar, and it is going to be hell for the podcast because carbonated beverages are not good for the throat. Yeah, um, it's funny, we were doing that, and I had to stifle quite a few uh, carbonated uprings. What am I saying? Burps. And just thinking, this is not good for 
This is not good for radio. Yeah, it's it's not great. Also, I don't think I've consumed this much Coke in quite some time. Well, you did buy four bottles of it, so I guess that that goes. What are you going to do with the, the flavors you don't like? Uh, hmm. <laughs> I guess I'll just chug them. Don't chug them. Don't please, please don't chug them. Yeah, I'm not a, but I'm not a food waster. Yeah, no, I, I mean, chug them, just, 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 everything in moderation, come on. Chug them in moderation. Chug them in moderation, that's all. Well, I, I guess we have a major takeaway from that segment. Yeah, uh, all hail the new Coke. All hail the new Coke, that's all I gotta say. That's very surprising. I, I was ready to not like it. You know, uh, you know what this, this Coke Zero Sugar bottle reminds me of? What does it remind you of, Yant? With, oh. with this blazing, rising sun motif? Yeah, this, this sun-related imagery? It, uh, it reminds me of uh, Total Eclipse of the Sun 2017. Once upon a time we were falling in love. Hold on. <laughs> now we're only falling apart. Oh, boy. There's nothing I can do. A total, total eclipse, eclipse of, of the sun. sun. 2017. That's a really good intro song. Yeah. <laughs> it was... <laughs> the, the the punctuating with the massive burp of all time. Yeah, that was, uh, that was not my proudest moment. Maybe I'll edit it out. <laughs> I think you should edit it out. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, so the sun done got eclipsed. Oh yeah, I heard about that and also experienced it firsthand. Oh, I want to share eclipse stories with you. Well, I feel like this is the the good place to do it. Well, in case anyone was unaware, this is the first time since 99 years, I guess I could say this is the first time in 99 years, that a total solar eclipse has uh, transversed the entire United States. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty historic moment. It it went all the way coast to coast, and uh, you could you could even fly the path of it and and keep track of it. And uh, I think that this is this is the biggest solar eclipse I've seen in in my life. I've seen partial solar eclipses, but I've never seen one this close to totality. Yeah, I've seen a quite a number of I, I'm going to say one uh, partial eclipses, and this one. At least where I was, was a good two thirds of yeah. uh, close to totality. Because where I was, we were sitting at about seventy one percent of the sun being covered. We had about sixty five. Still pretty good. I thought it would be darker than it was. It's uh okay. So back it up, eclipse story. So how did you view the eclipse? Because there are quite a few options open to you. All right. So I viewed the eclipse through some homemade sun viewing glasses, John. Oh, how did you home make those? Well, see, what you do is you take some of the emergency blanket material known as mylar. Mylar? You take three sheets of that and wrap it around a pair of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, attach them with rubber bands or twist ties, what have you. And then you're good to go. You put that on your face. If you look at... <laughs> If you look at any lights, like, in your house and you see light, you've done it wrong, and it's not safe. Mm-hmm. If you put it on and see nothing, you're great. Perfect. I, uh, I saw my eclipse through sanctioned, library-provided eclipse glasses. That's pretty neat. They use, like, what, the, uh, the, the film? 
Yeah, they were they were the little film glasses, little cardboard dealies. They were shared with about twelve different people. Okay. Uh, we were essentially all unprepared for the eclipse, but someone had them, so we all shared them. And I got to see an eclipse through actual eclipse glasses, so it was all orange and cool looking. That's cool. Mine just looked like the moon. It was, uh, yeah, it was very cool. I wish very much that I was in one of the areas of totality because I was watching NASA's live stream of the event. Oh yeah, I was, I was watching that too. And they were in Oregon, I believe. Oregon, yeah. And videos and pictures of places where full totality was reached is very creepy. Oh, see that, that's what I want to experience that because it gets dark. Yeah, it, I think in the area they were in in Oregon, it went from 70 degrees to 40 degrees. That's insane. And if you look at the pictures of, to- like, if you get a 360 uh, live stream or video of totality, when the sun is covered, the entire sky goes black. Yeah. It, it's, it's like it becomes night for a second. Even the animals, like the birds stop chirping and, and animals start stop moving around because they think it's nighttime. And if you look around the area of totality, you still see light pollution from the areas of the, of the Earth that are still being hit by the sun's rays. So you get this huge, cloudy disk of darkness above you with this light corona. But yeah, it's a... It's I as wanna... if you're, like, trapped in, like, a, a darkness sphere. <laughs> it's like you're in the dark zone or something. Like, the, that's the prison where all the supernatural prisoners have to go. Yeah, and I, I think that, I I don't know, I ended up making, like, a sappy Facebook post about it. But big celestial events really, they, they drive home the point that a lot of the stuff that we bicker about is not that consequential. Yeah, I, I mean, like... <laughs> Wait, is not inconsequential? No, it's it's not very consequential. I could oh, have but... said is inconsequential. Yeah, yeah, because like there, <laughs> the rel- relative scale of existence is so vast that you know you, we see these pictures on the internet all the time comparing like the Earth to the Sun, the Sun to the next biggest star to the next biggest star until like you can't even see the Earth anymore. It's not even a a pixel on your screen. But seeing a picture like that and watching celestial bodies cross each other are, like, entirely different things. And the last time I felt something like this was during the um, transverse transit of Venus. Yeah. When you could see the shadow of Venus cross across the sun. Yeah, but where you can you get a visual reminder that there are places other than here that are just as big and just as important, even though, they, you know... They don't have the squabbles that we have. And the the takeaway that a lot of people have from big celestial events, and these people are largely fictional people in like TV shows and movies and books, is that when a large celestial event happens, it's to remind these characters that they're small and that their problems don't really matter. And that's not really what I took away from this most recent eclipse and what made me make a really sappy Facebook post. What did you take away? I just felt really happy... That I managed to live on this rock with this particular species of animal that is capable of showing things like kindness and emotional intelligence and, and togetherness. I just felt really happy that out of the huge lottery of things I could be, that I am extremely lucky. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good takeaway. I, I had a very similar realization. Uh, before the eclipse, I went on a drive on my lunch break, just drove around for an hour trying to find a place to view the eclipse where I wouldn't like be in the way or anything. And, uh, and on that drive, I was thinking about how, well, it's, you know, this event, it doesn't, it, it, to, for a while, it didn't seem like a really big deal to me. Like, I was like, oh, it's just another eclipse. It's just like a thing that's happening. It's the moon is crossing the sun. It, we've, if you've seen light blocking another light or like your friend standing in front of a projector, you've seen a similar thing. Why, why is everyone getting so worked up? And then I realized, well, it's because we're getting to experience it. It's happening during our lifetime to us. It's a unique event to each individual that we're all experiencing at the same time. It doesn't have to be something fancy. It's just the fact that everyone is seeing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, it was a big TV show that 300 million people were watching at the exact same time you were. Yeah, it's a shared experience (laughs) That we're all lucky enough to be alive to, to witness kind of the same sentiment that or, or similar sentiment that, that you experience. So it, big celestial events like this, even though they're not as flashy as, say, like, I don't know, an explosion or some type of weird cosmic thing like an alien visitor. I, I think it still has a way of reminding us that in the end, we're all in this together and we need to remember that more often. Yeah, we need to remember that we're all just inhabitants of a big old rock and we gotta work together and be human beings at the end of the day. Cause if not, cause if we're not human beings and we don't find the, the space or the sky fascinating, then what, we're dead inside, you know? And that's why I've always found like constellations and, and meteor showers and just, celestial events really really fascinating i think that everyone owes it to themselves to you know either read a book about stargazing or get a stargazing app on their phone and just get out somewhere where there's very little light pollution and just enjoy the fact that you're part of this huge 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 interconnected system that is bigger and more wonderful than you could possibly imagine yeah uh, everyone should at one point or another in their life look up the and look up to the sky and be completely dumbfounded be completely struck silent with awe and i think it's easier than uh, than you think just be alone be in a field you know let the process take hold yeah because if you don't look up to space if you don't look up to the stars and, and just be amazed then you might as well not even be living. Yeah, you might as well be dead. Well, at least emotionally, or at least in some level where you're not realizing the scale of things or just the the amazing amount of things we don't know and, and perhaps we'll never know. And one thing that you can always uh, that you can always take solace in is that we are part of an amazing uh, race of individuals, and even those in the highest offices of power can still look at a solar eclipse despite being advised not to. Yeah. (laughs) And we can all join in and sort of laugh at him, and also laugh with him, because 
you know, a, a huge number of people did the same thing. Oh, yeah. I am I did it for a second before I put the Eclipse glass on because I was like, well, maybe. <laughs> a funny story. When I was testing the Mylar glasses that, I, I full disclosure, my girlfriend made for me. Um, <laughs> I... I I stepped out onto my patio with the glasses and I put them on and I looked at the sun and for a, a split second, I was like, huh? And I raised the glasses, looked directly at the sun without the glasses. Yep. And put them back on to see like, oh, do they still work? And I couldn't see a damn thing because I just stared at the sun. Yep. Thanks, sun. <laughs> you know, yeah, thanks for making life possible, but... <laughs> Why are you so gosh darn bright? But uh, that picture of Donald Trump looking at the eclipse without eclipse glasses gives me life in a million different ways. There was another picture of his wife with the glasses on her head (laughs) staring straight at the sun. And someone captioned it. uh, Malena, Malena, whatever her name is, found a way to never look at her, see her husband again. Nice. Uh, there's a, the video of that is even better, by the way, because you see him and he like gives like a little tentative glam- glimpse up at the sun, like for a second. Yeah. And then you hear what I believe is a, a presidential aide scream, don't look. And then he immediately looks up at the sun. Oh, he, of course he does because he's, he's that kind of person. I don't want to get into it, but you know, he, he's the kind of person that you tell him not to do something and he'll do it. He's, they're like, don't look at He's like, oh, there must be something up there they don't want me to see. Well, I think it's just like, oh, I'll show them. I'll look right at it. See? No problem. Nothing's happening to me. Man, if only we had, like, the world's first blind president. <laughs> A blind president would be really interesting. It would be. Uh, you know what? What, John? Uh, so, talking about the president looking at the sun is all interesting and whatever. But... But I was thinking, during the solar eclipse, looking at the pictures of people in areas of totality... Yeah? I think I know where, like, cults and religions come from. <laughs> you mean, like... Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. You know, imagine it's just any other day, and you're out working your field, and all of a sudden, the thing that's always been in the sky goes dark. Yep. And, like, and, you know, you've had every other thing explained to you. Like, okay, I understand that a man in a chariot drags the giant ball of fire across the sky, and that's what makes it warm and makes my crops grow. I understand that when thunder and lightning happen, that's the gods being mad at us. I get that. That's easy. That's science. But then, if you're in the area of totality, and the sun disappears and the temperature drops 30 degrees, the first person who runs out of the forest and says that his god made it happen is your new god. Oh, yeah, definitely. The the first opportunist to be like, yeah, by the way, your gods just died, and if you want, you know, all the things in your life to come back, you gotta start worshipping me. Also, we gotta kill that guy over there and offer his blood to my gods. Yeah, I have the sweet new blood god, and if you do what blood god says, the sun will come back. And then, you know, they do it, and all hey, yeah, the sun came back, but it's no longer the chariot-driven sun, it's now blood god sun. Or alternatively, what might have happened is, like, people just freaked out and started doing whatever, and some guy stabbed his neighbor, and the sun came back, and they're like, well, that did it. <laughs> well, obviously, it was it was Steve stabbing that guy. 
Either that guy had a demon inside him, or Steve is a god. And then Steve gets a really nice life for the rest of his life. Man, life was so much easier back in the times of Chariot Son. Chariot Son. Yeah, um, in the uh, Mark Twain novel, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, the Connecticut Yankee, the titular guy, uh, establishes himself as a counterpart to Merlin the Wizard by predicting an eclipse. Oh, nice. Oh, tie-in. I really wanted to read that book at some point. It's it's a really good one. I'm, um, of Twain, it's one of the most digestible ones because he, it feels like a later Twain where he's just sort of writing for himself and comedy more so than trying to make any any real point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of satire in a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of the sarcastic late Twain where he, he's trying to tear America a new one. You know, I think that a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court is a real mouthful, and he should have just called it Yankee Court. <laughs> Yankee Court. Well, I think he was he was afraid that it would get adapted into like some type of ho- horrible like primetime drama. That, that's TV. true. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, if Night Court was Yankee Court. <laughs> Yankee Court. Yeah, exactly. He was afraid of it becoming Night Court. I mean, as all great authors are afraid of their works becoming Night Court. It was several, several decades before Night Court was even a thing. Why do you think they changed the title of the book to A Confederacy of Dunces? Because Night Court... Wait, what, what did it used to be? Oh, A Night Court of Dunces. <laughs> And everyone just called it Night Court anyway. Yeah, and then they're like, I really don't want this to turn into Night Court, so it didn't. I tried to read that book once, and I could not get past the first few pages. Yeah, I think a lot of people have similar experiences with that. I read a long time ago and thought it was funny, but what did I know? Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, speaking of eclipses, if I can start to transition here, John. Oh my god. Uh, Something happened... Other than the eclipse on Monday, John. Really? Actually, this the the setup for this starts last Thursday. Okay, this is a, this is a long walk back, and it better be worth it. Well, you see, John, I I know we we like to keep our fingers on the cultural pulse here at Zero Credits, right? Mm-hmm. And to that end, we follow Taylor Swift, of course, on Twitter. Uh, I check her Instagram. You know, I I follow. Taylor Swift's comings and goings. Well, on Thursday, John, she disappeared. What? Taylor Swift disappeared from the internet last Thursday, John. Oh, like all of her social media? Her Twitter was wiped clean. Her Instagram is now photoless. She has no profile picture anywhere on social media. So, does does that mean that Taylor Swift was a shared illusion? Mandela effect? I... You know, for a while I thought that, but then something peculiar happened on Monday, John. Oh? Around the time of the eclipse, in fact. Oh, no. Taylor Swift posted a video of a snake tail. Just a snake tail? Just a snake tail, John. Wait. Barely moving. Wait. Yes, John. You're you're already picking up what I'm laying down. Taylor Swift is a god. Taylor Swift is a lizard person. You are so close. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. See, if you cross-reference various reports from the the North Carolina Emergency Services Department... Uh-huh. ...that actively warn people about active lizard people sites that they should avoid during the eclipse... 
Oh, yeah, because that was real. This is a true thing that happened. We posted it about on our Facebook. This was an actual government agency warning people against lizard people. And this coincides with Taylor Swift posting a snake tail or a reptilian tail during the time of the eclipse. I feel like the only conclusion we can draw is that the lizard people are coming, John. I mean, it. all of it makes sense. She was born in the year of the snake. She was born in the year of the snake. That That's a very good point, and I was about to bring that up. Also, her debut album was entitled 1989, which is also the year of the snake. Also the year she was born as a snake. Oh my god. The, the dominoes are just falling themselves, John. Wait, shake it off like a rattle? Or like a skin? Like, like you know, shake off your, your molting skin, your shedding? Is this why, uh... So wait, if if her social media disappeared, is this her is this her lizard person chrysalis? Is this her coming out of her chrysalis? I feel like the the outer shell that we knew of as Taylor Swift is, is being broken away by this removal of her her social media, and now posting this video of a snake or a reptilian tail. She posted one on Monday at the time of the eclipse. She posted a second video with more segments of this reptilian tale today around the same time, John. I feel like by by Friday, we're going to have the full picture of Taylor Snake. Of Taylor Snake? (laughs) Taylor Snake. That's an amazing name. You know, it, it makes sense, though, if you think about it, because the eclipse happens. It's been a real bad week for pretty much everybody. The two greatest fighters alive are going to square off in the squared circle, almost like a human sacrifice. I feel, yes, exactly. All of these events are coming together for Taylor Swift to reveal that she's a snake goddess or something, and I, and she'll also probably be dropping a new album. Now, how long do lizard people usually live? Well, according, <laughs> according to facts and, and absolute truth, John, lizard people live anywhere from about 10 to 10 billion years. Okay, so that... That well-known conspiracy theory that Taylor Swift was that immortal Satanist woman from that talk show. Yes. Coincides. You know, the Satanist, the the Church of Satan, very big on its serpent imagery. That is true. And, and Johnny, you know what else has happened in the, in the past 10 billion years? What? Every major war, John. Every major war. Oh my god, wait. It's all connected to Taylor Swift. Hold on, we can take this further, Henry. Don't you see? What, what, enlighten me. Look, if we if we track back Taylor Swift's career, she was, once upon a time, her music career, not her career as a mover and shaker on the world stage as an immortal lizard person. Alright, just her music career. She started as kind of a pop country singer. That's true. We we all know. We remember Romeo and Juliet. And then eventually the, the country fell off and she fell into pop, the seedy underworld of pop. Yeah, it, it's hard to claw your way out of pop. She had, she'd burned too many bridges. She'd lost country. She had, she had sacrificed her wings and fallen to earth. I think that Taylor Swift might be Lucifer. You know? 
I always had my 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 suspicions. But the only thing, the only thing, the only thing that that's making me doubt that is that Lucifer, everybody knows, has like a uh, a lion's tail. Oh yeah, that, and I guess the snake tail wouldn't really fit in there. The snake tail wouldn't fit in. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, it was almost a perfect conspiracy theory, but you can't win them all. Yeah, so you know that's the. So I guess you know, just keep an eye. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll probably know that Taylor Swift is our new snake goddess that we all worship. But just keep an eye out and see if you can see her her second what what they call it her second scan or one of those weird blinks. Yeah, one of those weird blinks. You know, you know about lizard people, huh, John? I don't know that much, but I'm really excited for the end of this week when either Taylor Swift spits hot fire or Taylor Swift drops a new album. Yeah. Okay. My fan is doing something really weird. You see what I mean? Like, if she's a lizard person, she's gonna she's gonna spit hot fire, which could be construed to mean lyrics but then i said yeah album so she like lizard person but also but also musician yeah i I just want to point out that while we were talking about this john and i don't know if this is a sign or that i'm being bugged or something but my ceiling fan came to a a complete stop oh that's no good and when you said drops a new album, it started up again at full blast. Oh, oh no. So I, I don't know what that says about Taylor Swift, but I guess her people will be in touch with me. Well, uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because as we were talking about it, I have this, uh, this art deco Frankenstein poster on my wall. Oh yeah. And when I said, well, when I said end of the week, it started to, to kind of ruffle as if a stiff wind was blowing, and then it kind of sloughed off the wall to reveal a poster for Taylor Swift's 1989. And was behind that, like, a, a hole in the wall dug out by a spoon? No, but it, it was kind of writhing as if something was behind it, kind of stretching at it to come out. But then when I said drop a new album, the Art Deco Frankenstein slithered back up the wall and replaced it. Yeah, since we started talking about things that we noticed and pointed out, my fan is now stopping again. So I think we should move on to something else, John. All right, let's uh, let's start a new a new subject. I think one of my cokes is starting to boil. <laughs> oh God! Um, so what else do we have in the pipeline? Uh, in the pipeline of products of zero credits products? Uh, no, the pipeline of things to talk about on this episode, buddy. Oh, I pretty much burned out all my content with the uh, Eclipse thing. Oh, well, I've got something else, but I don't really have a way to tie it in. Uh, I can throw words at you and you grab one and turn it into a segue. Wait, no, I got it. All right. Uh, Speaking of people who don't appear... No, that's not how you say those words. Speaking of people who don't... Speaking of people who aren't what they appear to be, John... Mm Mm-hmm. Have you heard about the latest Joss Whedon news? Oh, I, uh, I really... I, I fell off from reading about Joe Sweden. Well, it turns out he's not what he appears to be, John. Oh no, is he a lizard too? No, he, he's not a lizard. Well, he's kind of slimy and disgusting, but he's not a lizard. Oh no. Uh, the, the, so, yesterday his ex-wife posted a tell-all piece on some website I don't remember the name of. I think it was Wrapped? Mm-hmm. 
and people have, are kind of running with it as sort of something to, to at least discuss or take into consideration. Well, uh, what did she, what all did she tell? Well, according to the AV Club, uh, who's writing about it, uh, under the headline, Joss Whedon was never a feminist, she basically revealed that Joss Whedon has had a string of affairs while he was married to Kale, Kai, Kai, Kale, Kai, Kai Cole, uh, including with actresses and people on the set and, he wrote about how just how much power he had. Oh no! Over, over women, they they couldn't help but sleep with him, and he couldn't help but take advantage of them. Oh boy, that's creepy. <laughs> and, and this, it's weird that this is coming out because he's been hailed as a feminist writer for a really long time. But if, and I've been saying this for years, if you ever actually look at his work. It wasn't ever really feminist. Yeah, he's been hailed incorrectly as a feminist author. Yeah, it's 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 one of the most bizarre things. He even like he goes to places and he, he talks about how he's a feminist while he's been pulling this stuff behind the scenes the entire time. Well, I mean, let's go through his his feminist backlog. Uh there is the there's the show about the sexy underage vampire killer. Yeah, Buffy. Uh, there's the show about a pretty largely male spaceship crew who finds a sexy lady trapped in a suitcase, and then she's extremely timid and naive. There's also the part where one of the crew members is a prostitute, but it's an honorable position. Oh yeah, not like those dishonorable prostitutes. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. She she's a, a an ambassador or something. I forget what they call it. Oh, he's such a feminist. Women using sexuality to be empowered. Oh boy, what a new, what a fucking, what a fucking groundbreaking fucking idea, Joss Whedon. What what was that show he did where people were dolls? Oh, you mean the show he did about a brothel of women who didn't have control over their action and were sexy assassin hookers? Yeah, what was that? Doll House? Yeah, it was called Girl Collection. Girl Collection? <laughs> oh, that's... Oh, that's weird. Yep. Yeah, Dollhouse. Dollhouse. I, I want to see if I can find the uh, the actual words that she wrote. It was The Rap. The Rap. Was the, the Rap was the name of the website where she uh, wrote a, uh, a... Where she wrote a guest blog, it turns out. I was uh, I was confused. I thought you meant wrapped the Food Network show. <laughs> I, I meant like that's a wrap, as in like what people apparently said at some point during movies. All the time they say that's a wrap. Ooh, you can't get them to stop. Yeah, they're just like that's a wrap after every shot. And it's like no, we got more. We got more to film here. I was uh, once on a film set where everyone, when they greet each other, would put their hands over their hearts and say that's a wrap. Yeah. All right. So here's here's what he says. Here's what she says. Cal. Kai. Cole. His ex-wife. I, he, she says, why can why am I getting pronouns wrong? Um, alright. Fifteen years later, when he was done with our marriage and finally ready, ready to tell the truth, he wrote me, when I was running Buffy, I was surrounded by beautiful, needy, aggressive young women. It felt like I had a disease, like something from a Greek myth. 
Suddenly I am a powerful producer, and the world is laid out at my feet and I can't touch it. But he did touch it. He said he understood I would have to lie or conceal some part of the truth for the rest of my life, but he did it anyway, hoping that first affair would be enough that then we could move on and outlast it. Ugh. Yeah. That's the creepiest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, Man, like, it's like it's creepy and it's self-aggrandizing. He's like one of those people who, who like, you know... It's just like, oh man, I'm a feminist. I'm I'm fighting for women's rights, and everybody should think I'm great because I'm doing it, right? I'm fighting for women's rights. Their rights to be needy and attracted to me. I'm Joss Whedon. Yeah, I'm in a position of power, and that immediately I'm gonna immediately take advantage of it. <laughs> man, it's a bad couple weeks for for nerdy dudes in position of power taking advantage of people. And, like, to betray his wife like that because his wife was the one who originally convinced him to turn the movie script of Buffy into a television show. So, like, gave him his career? Yeah. Nice. Like, like according to her, when I was with him when his Buffy the Vampire script was adapted and the resulting movie released, it was painful to see how his vision was interpreted by the production team and on our honeymoon to England in 1995, I urged him to figure out how to turn it into a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, according to her, she, she helped him get his career, and he turns around on the very same show and just betrays her trust? And, I mean, I, I, I guess that's something that he probably continued to do throughout his career. I can only imagine, because he kept, you know, he kept working... In everything he wrote, there was a young, fierce, strong girl. God, I hope he never makes anything again. Well, he's he's tied to the end. Like he's doing the reshoots for for Justice League currently. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, uh, you know this this woman was hurt, and my default response is to believe her. Uh, if this comes out to be completely untrue, I still think he's a creep. Well, he, he a spokesperson for his for him. You know, his team came out and uh, made a statement. Uh, it says, while this account includes inaccuracies and misrepresentations, which can be harmful to their family, Joss is not commenting out of concern for his children and out of respect for his ex-wife. Ooh. So I feel like e- even if this is exaggerated, she hit she hit some truth here. To uh, To not have your first statement be unequivocal denial is pretty damning. Well, I feel like, you know, when something like this comes to light and it's true, you've got no recourse. You can deny it, but I I feel like people would start coming out of the woodwork at that point, you know? Really, the best thing you could do is get out in front of it, which I don't think he's going to do. No. Uh, Like, if you deny, if you straight up deny it, you run the risk of, you know, pulling a Cosby and all of a sudden people who weren't coming forward anymore are coming forward and then you're buried by the amount of people that, you know, you interacted with. I uh, I would like to make a point now, and this is pretty selfish, but I'd like us to make it together. I don't think in the history of Zero Credits, now I might be wrong, if you guys want to point me out, point out to me where this is not the case, but I believe we've always kind of given Joss Whedon shit. I think we have, because he's just he, he, something about him has always seemed off to me. 
And if there was a point in the past where I lauded his work and said that I was wrong about him, let me know and I will regret that statement. I mean, I, I was, I am a fan of Firefly and Serenity. I do like those things, but I, I feel like, I feel like I only like them because they were so short. I think Firefly and Serenity are, are really good shows. I think it had a lot to do, uh, with their cast, with the direction, and, you know, separating artists from art is important, but I've never liked his creepy pseudo-feminist vibe. I've never liked him as a person. I've never liked him talking about writing because it, it always felt... It just never felt realistic. He did Cabin in the Woods, right? He did do Cabin in the Woods, and that was great. I really like Cabin in the Woods, one of my favorite horror movies. And Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog is a really fun, energetic piece that he paid for out of pocket. Man, artists and their art, it's its tough when they make things that you actually enjoy. It, it's hard to, you know, it, it's it, its really hard to separate artists from art. Um, with actors, it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, be mindful of the person who happens to be less than stellar. Yeah, and if all this ends up being true, hopefully Hollywood will treat him as he deserves. Which yep. is with a with a guarded approach. A guarded approach. I mean, like, we gotta, at some point, Hollywood is, they gotta start, stop protecting these people, like, you know, Roman Polanski and such. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that what Joss Whedon did isn't really Roman Polanski level, but we need to be more serious with being like, hey, fuck creeps. Yeah, fuck creeps, like, I don't know, (laughs) at least, at least acknowledge it, like, just, I don't know. Just because people can make good art does not mean they're good people. Yeah, we're slowly getting to a place where we're like, hey, don't be a creep. Yeah. Maybe someday soon everyone will be okay with not being a creep. I mean, we still have the Casey Afflecks of the world winning Oscars, but hey, at least people told him he was a creep. Yeah. What did he do again? Uh, He, like, got drunk and tried to sleep naked in women's beds and was kind of a sex pest and a creep. That's right. Uh, like his allegedly, co-stars. allegedly his co-stars. That's right. Allegedly, but I believe them. You know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's we live in a really weird place where it's like, why would people make up certain things, especially other celebrities? Uh, just observe all the angles. Like, of course, this is an ex-wife who, who might feel scorned, but they they didn't just get divorced. Yeah, I, I think that. The default response to someone who's hurt coming forward publicly is to believe them, is to give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't, like, you know, turn around and crucify somebody the next day. But if someone is publicly coming out with something that is very personal and painful to them, then you should trust that they probably are coming from a place of honesty unless they're extremely mentally ill. Yeah. And I don't know this other person that well, so maybe she is extremely mentally ill, but in that case, Joss Whedon would, his people would call, call her out on it, but they didn't. They just said, uh, we're not gonna make a comment. Okay, so I think that what we need to start doing on Zero Credit, since the world is becoming more critical of creeps, critic creep, critic creep, we need 
to institute some sort of program. Now, I understand that when big parts of people's lives are taken away because of scandals and drama, it's tough to consume content the way you did before because, you know, after this you have to take all the Firefly stickers off of your Subaru Outback. I understand. I get that. Yeah. So what we need to institute is a program where we take the hole left in someone's life by one creator and we fill it with another. All right, so we need to suggest a new creator for filling the hole that we're leaving by removing Joss Whedon from the canon. Yeah, for the time being, and assuming into the future, Joss Whedon is removed from your heart. It's okay if you do that. Don't feel bad. He is excised and cast away. So who do we replace him with? It's tough because Joss Whedon is very prolific, so we need to have someone who has a similar kind of cultural penetration. Ugh. <laughs> the word penetration can be okay, John. Just, just, just not in uh, this, not in this context. Well, I guess a cultural uh, presence, cultural presence. We need someone who's hot in the zeitgeist. We need someone who's. Kind of quirky, kind of nerdy. We can't have someone that's too standoffish. Hmm, who could it be? Do you already got somebody in mind? I don't. Oh, you said, hmm, who could it be like you were leading? Yeah, I hoped that it would come to me. Oh, who could it be? I could, I could say Terry Pratchett. He's pretty out there. Yeah, he's also deceased. Yeah, and it's not like, uh, it's not like he, he wrote, or whatever, Avengers or whatever. We could say Terry Pratchett because he is deceased, so unless somebody comes forward and says, oh, he was just a despicable person, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, Terry unless Pratchett he, is essentially creep-proof. It also gives us a chance to uh, promote a show coming out soon. Oh, true! So yeah, let's say Terry Pratchett. Forget Joss Whedon. Look up Terry Pratchett. He, he was mostly an author of books, but also some of those books were made into movies. And some of those movies were good. And he, th there's a show that I think Amazon is creating uh, based, based on one of his books that he wrote with Neil Gaiman. Ooh. It's called Good Omen. Good Omens. And it's going to have David Tennant and some other guy in it. And that's all I know about it so far. Yeah, so remove Joss Whedon, replace with Terry Pratchett, and if you already had a place in your heart for Terry Pratchett, grow it by the size of the hole that was left by Joss Whedon. Yeah, yeah. Just just put Terry Pratchett in that hole. Yeah, just put him in a hole. Yeah, that sounds weird. But I highly recommend uh, The Color of Magic. That's the first book in the Discworld universe. And I also recommend the uh, the Captain Vimes series of books, starting with Guards, Guards. Oh yeah, Guards, Guards, and uh, Night Watch might be the best Terry Pratchett books. People people have said Night Watch is probably the best book. I'm still making my way through the series to get to that point. Point. Uh, I like to read things in order, so I don't want to just skip ahead. I think you'll like Night Watch, but yeah, Discworld. Great, expansive, super interesting series. They made a video game about it that has a lot of like Monty Python people in it as voice actors. That's really good. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. It's a long, venerable history, 
And uh, the good thing about the Discworld series is you can really just pick, like, a strand and explore that strand. You don't have to read everything, but if you want to, it's there. And Terry Pratchett did an amazing job of almost every book can stand on its own with minimal knowledge of... It's not like they're anthologies. They do follow a story, but they're all kind of perfectly written. Yeah, you might get hints of things that happened in the past or... You might wonder why this one character is getting getting focused on, but it's because they, you know, that one character is an overarching sort of arc. Uh, but for the most part, the situations are very self-contained. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like, you know, if you pick up the two towers, you're going to be like, "What's up with this Balrog guy? What's he want?" <laughs> yeah, it's not like walking into the middle of a Harry Potter book. Yeah, so. Terry Pratchett, put him in your heart. And Joss Whedon, kick him to the cart. And I think that uh, with that kind of happy affirmation about fictional worlds that people should involve themselves in, I think we might have to say goodbye. Right after we reveal this week's theme. Oh shit, we haven't done themes in like three weeks. I know, but I think we actually had one today. Oh wait, I think I know what the theme is. Oh, walk us through it, John. Oh, do you have the theme? No. Okay, so here's the theme. All right. The theme is it's, it's actually kind of perfect. It's I, that th- it's things replacing other things. That's correct. Coke Zero is being replaced by Coke Zero Sugar, and it's for the better. And the sun was replaced with the, sh- the with the shadow of the moon. And it made us feel things about the way things are. And then Joss Whedon was replaced with Terry Pratchett, a move we can all get behind. And the re- the real takeaway is Taylor Swift is being replaced by a snake goddess. Holy shit, this is actually like a really good kind of tying it all together theme. It's almost like we planned it, but we assure you we did not. We we did not plan this whatsoever, but all hail the new flesh, all has been revealed. There you go. And so now we can start our long, arduous journey through our social media plugs. Alright, so I made it, I kind of tightened it up a little bit. Are you ready? I am ready to hear what you got. All right. Email zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your emails. Replace our no emails with some emails. And on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on twitter.com. Nobody uses Twitter, but what's that stand for? That stands for John. People use Twitter all the time. I don't know why you're so against Twitter. It's like I tweeted out so many things yesterday and you got a like on your thing and it was it was a good time john why do you hate it thanks for the likes i love social media i'm not a lizard person you can watch us stream video games on twitch.tv slash zero credits we might stream something soon who the fuck knows not eyes and we're on facebook and we're on itunes you should like comment subscribe itunes and tell your friends about the show man that was actually very succinct i liked it two minutes Two minutes! That's that's like half the time we normally take. It usually is like six. I know, it's three times less. But from zero credits, new, punchier. Uh, the old has been replaced with the new, faster, better, lizard person. Zero credits, zero sugar. Oh, perfect. That's fucking the fucking perfect. name of the episode. That's oh the fucking name gee. of the episode. Oh, fuck. Jesus How Christ, did we, we did it. Think of this this whole time. 
Oh man, from everyone here at Zero Credit Studios, we'd like to wish you a hearty have a good week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Jesus Christ. Sports.